This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Surprise Flash Edition of Serbian Corner. <laughs> what is up, everybody, and welcome into Serbian Corner, the weekend edition of DNBR Nuggets podcast. I am not Voyaslav. Voyaslav is en route to the United States. He had to stay back, as everybody knows, uh, for an extended stay in the motherland. Uh, but he is headed back to the U.S. now. Um, so replacing him for this week is myself. But I'm joined, as always, by the star of the show, Miroslav Chuk. Miroslav, how are you doing today? Excellent, excellent. My back is a bit sore because I just came back from my from my pickup game. I I'm, I pulled uh, Michael Porter today, but hopefully I will be oh, fine no. for the next for the next Saturday. Pulled a Michael Porter, man! I can't believe it. That, <laughs> you might have crossed the line. You went too far, Miroslav. Yeah, too sorry. far. Um, <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. So appreciate everybody that's here in the uh, in the uh, chat. We had to start a little bit earlier here. I got a date. I got a date, Miroslav. Uh, <laughs> the old wife uh, booked a date, so I'm excited for that. Uh, so we went a little bit early here, but we have some things to talk about. It's a it's a bummer. Now you, I know you guys do this for the Nugget Serbia podcast, but when there's a show following just like a, a loss that stings, it's almost like it, you almost dread it at parts where you're like, oh man, we got to like rinse that taste out of everybody's mouth first before we get into some of the fun stuff. Is that how you feel today? Um, usually when I do the, the, the Nugget Serbia podcast, the, the crowd is even uh, even more uh, um, hurt by, by the bad loss than I would say the average worldwide audience. So we actually enjoy uh, in in rinsing everybody from from the shame of defeat and <laughs> and saying come on guys it's an 82 season game let's let's be really down when we fall out of the playoffs but you know be, before that happens there there's there's not uh, enough reasons to be that that sour about things so so we we're trying to find the silver linings and you know there are maybe six or uh, four or six weeks away from us. So we are concentrating on the good stuff. It is funny, though. I'm watching the standings, and I look up, and I see Phoenix that has nine losses. And I keep thinking, nine times this season they felt bad. That's not yeah. very much. That's like 35 times they felt good, nine times they felt bad. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, Denver, it really is every other game. It's 50-50. <laughs> you either feel good or feel bad. So um, that, But that is sports. You know, that is... Um, that's what makes Nuggets fans different than Lakers fans. Lakers fans are miserable right now because they've never experienced this. They're like, what is this? Things aren't going exactly the way they were ordained. Um, so about last night's game, you know, there's a lot of discussion. I'll be honest, the online Nuggets conversation has not been great the last 24 hours. They've been very, yep. uh, very touchy, and that is – you know, I'm. You know me, Miroslav. I don't like to pin anything on any one player. I feel like the alt basketball just doesn't work that way. Right now, though, you know, Faku is having. Su- he's in such a rut, and teams are guarding him differently. And I feel like it's almost affecting him. Like he's not as bad of a shooter as he's been over these last few games, but yeah. he kind of sees the writing on the wall. Everybody thinks he's bad, and now all of a sudden he's living into it. What are you seeing from Faku this season? But really, over the last, I don't know, three weeks or so. 
he is a bit in, in his head for sure. I mean, he was shooting 40% for three last playoffs. Right. It's not such a small sample. It, it, it was like, what was it? How many? Six, ten, ten games. Not, right. not, a, not a small sample on a, on a really high, high uh, uh, intensity games. I know he can hit those shots, but it, it wasn't just him. If you remember the game against Utah, the, the, the whole team was completely out of the, out of the shooting, uh, uh, shooting groove because they were on the back-to-back. And, you know, somehow Jokic is the only one that is not on back-to-back. Everybody else is. But that's, that is how it goes with, with superstars and, and the other guys. So uh, uh, about Faku, I, I, was, I was listening to Matt Moore's Locked on Nuggets show for today. And he spent like good 20 minutes talking about uh, uh, why Faku is... is the 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 bad grape on the Nuggets roster right now, and uh, yeah. I understand him because Matt Moore is a really great analyst. He is really, really uh, he has a really good perspective. He has a lot of basketball knowledge, and he based that on numbers. He he crushes every day, and on video he crushes every day. Thing about him is. Like most American analysts, he never saw Faku play outside of the NBA. And this is why I, I said this like 16 months ago when Faku first came to the to the Nuggets on your show. I said, listen, guys, th- this is a true legend of FIBA basketball. This guy single-handedly beat uh, the dream team from Serbia, the, t- the, the team that had all the stars from Serbia except from Miloš Teodosic. Only three years, two and a half years ago, he had Luis Cola and nobody else on the team, and he went all the way to the to the finals of the World Cup. Faku Campazzo really is a World Cup class player, and he is a player who is worthy of building around him. Problem is, Nuggets don't have the time to do it. Mm. Nuggets don't have the roster around him for him to be. Uh, effective he doesn't have big wings next to him he doesn't have a rim rolling center next to him all those things he needs to completely shine to show his skill on a daily basis not only against bad teams but against every kind of teams i i really firmly believe faco campazzo can be a starter in the nba for like 10 different teams mm. But it's really it's really hard with this kind of uh, with this kind of uh, balance on the roster Nuggets have, unless they they like bring two new guys out of nowhere. I just yeah. I just think he doesn't work with the bench anymore. Yeah, so there's a lot there, and it's interesting. Here, here's where I'm gonna, I'm going to agree with you in in a large part of this and disagree in in a small part. So. I think there's no question right now that Faku does not fit with the ingredients that the Nuggets can play him with, right? Yeah. And that, and at the moment, and one of the things that I think works most against you is with Jokic. Now, you, what you're kind of indicating is Jokic is also not necessarily a Faku player. Like you need somebody to put a lob pressure That's right. on the rim, and maybe there's a bit of a redundancy of talents there that take away from Faku. So I could, I could see that, even though Jokic has made almost every type of player work with him almost every type so that's a real big mark against Faku the where I disagree with you though is when you're saying he's worthy of building around I'm curious that's the part I'm curious about 
Because I think you're right that if you gave him <laughs> JaVale McGee or, you know, Jared Allen or something, and then you gave him a couple floor spacing, you know, length with, with some shooting around him, could you have something there? Like, yeah, I think actually that would work really well. But the question is, should a team design their roster around him like that? That's the part that I'm not sure. I'm not sure any team says, ooh, Faku, we're going to build a second unit around him. But what I will say is I'm starting to look at the, the, the front office's thought process coming into this year and you see how it's played out and you think yeah how how did they think that was going to work with Faku and just really no no spacing no rim roller this or that and it really is like he is being put in the worst version of himself so where we agree is that I don't think Faku is a hopeless NBA player the way Matt Moore you know my, my colleague at Lockdown Nuggets it really argues for but I do think he is hopeless in this situation and where you and I differ, differ, disagree is I don't think it is he's good enough to warrant you bending. Like there's a lot of players out there that could be good if you set the deck perfectly for him, but very few players warrant you actually doing that. Yeah, I agree. He didn't prove it in the NBA to right. to 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 his. Uh, you, I'm concentrating on on the rest of his career. He is he's 30. He he played for 29, 29 years outside of the NBA before he came there. So yeah, I know, I know, and I, I understand that. But uh, it, it's just a shame. He yeah. he deserves so much better, and he doesn't deserve, you know, that the. the 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 shame he's being put through by by a lot of outlets because first of all it's not his fault that he's playing as many minutes as i mentioned last week right right he shouldn't be playing that many minutes he should be playing in shorter spurts he should be changing the tempo of the game he should be this uh, uh, destructive against another team's offense in short spurts but if you try to rely on him you know with with i mean What what's that three guard lineup of him and and oh, Bones? I can't believe it. But with with Bryn Forbes and, and, and Bryn Forbes. Bones Highland, what was that? Like, oh my what God. was that? I was so shocked that we saw it. Like just beyond shocked that that's where you went. I mean, you're right. The table was not set for him to have a good you know a good game last night. But you know the numbers are what they are at this point. He is one of I think now the one of the 15 worst plus minus players in the NBA, which is pretty jarring when you consider the Nuggets have an above 500 record at the moment. But <clears throat> I am with you. So do you think if Faku stays in the NBA next year, which I have no idea, you would not be surprised if he landed in a situation that more fit his skill set, and all of a sudden, you know, he actually looks pretty good. Yeah, for sure. There is there are many of rim rolling centers in the league in in, in the, the second one units. Type of center is a rim roller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's, 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 I I I think we could see him making like seven alley oops per per match, or maybe not seven, right. five alley oops per match, something like that. He 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 deserves better. That's that's what I want to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I don't know the the question now. I'm less interested in this idea about like where he exists in a vacuum. Is he a good or a bad player? Like, I'm more interested in what does Denver do going forward, and that's a really tricky one because I don't know. You know, with uh, you know, I, I understand Malone's thought process. There's still only two point guards on this roster. There's Monte Morris. There's Faku Composo. Malone, of all people, does not want to play on principle a lineup without a point guard. And I understand his principle on that. I think it's a good principle. The question now becomes, is it worth the risk to go out there with no floor general, no true point guard, no true ball handler? Is it worth that risk just because you see some of the weaknesses here? The other thing I wonder about Faku is, and I think it's definitely true again of this situation he's in, 
but I also wonder how it extrapolates, even if he is in the perfect situation, is I feel like teams have a great scout on him right now. Because it's not just the shooting. The shooting is the part that's in his head. But it's really, there was a play yesterday, this will probably make the list. He comes off of a double stagger screen and curls towards the rim, and nobody moves. The defense is just like, yeah, you're not going to the rim. We know that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and those are the ones that I wonder if that's the scout now is let him get to the paint. Let him get in there because don't collapse because that's what he wants. And if that's the case, that's the part that, that worries me. But... You know, we'll see what Denver does. We'll see what they do going forward. I mean, Malone has an interesting quandary on his hands. My suspicion is Faku will continue to play, continue to play a lot of minutes, and Malone will continue to move the pieces around him, meaning maybe try Davon Reed and Austin Rivers this next game rather than try a lineup without Faku. Is that what you kind of predict? You see, I I kind of like the Bryn Forbes addition in a vacuum. Because he he is an elite shooter and Denver definitely needs shooting. I have to agree with uh, uh, with Dave Defour who said, "What do you expect from Bryn except <laughs> hitting open shots?" Uh, thing is, I don't think he can get a lot of open shots on the second unit. Right. That will that will be a problem. Nobody nobody can create an open shot for Bryn Forbes, and he will have those four of thirteen nights again because of that. And I have a really, really hot take idea of of moving Bring Forbes to the starting lineup, <laughs> and and moving Monte Morris to the wow. to the to the bench, trying to to <sighs> completely gamble with with Will Barton and Jokic and Ag as your point guards, and and move Monte to to have a real floor general on the bench but there there would still need to be another trade involved there to get somebody bigger because monte is not helping with size so i don't know how you want to do this today miroslav because i know that was number one on your docket with some Bryn, Bryn forbes is this should we is this the burek uh are we, is this how we're opening up or are we going to throw that out for the week yeah we we can call we can call it i i don't care it's 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 not important <laughs> We might have to throw it out for the week since I'm doing double yeah. duty of hosting and producing. But yeah. okay, so that is a hot take. Bryn Forbes in the starting lineup. It's I'm just not... because he doesn't make any sense on the bench lineup at this point. <laughs> is it he, possible? He... Here's an interesting take. Is it possible that Bryn Forbes just doesn't make any sense? Maybe he makes sense when you know the full roster is complete, you know, and that's when you'll start to see more minutes or or mixing up the <sighs> starters is dangerous. Yeah, well, when everybody is back, then you can put him on the bench with Monte and with Michael Porter, I guess. Right. I don't think Michael Porter should get back to the starting lineup with, uh, with the I agree with worries that. we have with him. So with Monte and Bryn and, and Michael Porter and, uh, and, I don't know, J. Mike, whoever, I right. think that, that works. That really works because you have two extreme threats from the outside and uh, the, the collapse will be much easier in that situation but right now for these 14 games we have until the all-star break i would experiment a bit at least try it and guess detroit or something somebody like that just try to to see how it looks like because if Bryn forbes is your fifth option on the offense and he's just shooting 48 percent for three like a, a fifth option you can probably live with his defense. I was I was keying on his defense last night. And I have to say, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. But he had some 
he had some uh, deflections that resulted in steals even i know he's not he's not guarding anybody really but <laughs> he had some lapses at the beginning but for i'm pretty sure he had no idea, idea what he was supposed to do yeah the new, was, there the was a system. lot of like looking around and asking guys yeah. like am i yeah. is that me yeah. is that him like what yeah yeah that's right but at one point i i, I thought he even fi- find some groove on defense really so i would experiment i mean it's easy for me it's not my job on the line I love, Eric's calling me out here. It's hard. I'm doing double D. Why aren't you producing, Eric? What's going on here? Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> Bryn for it, it, it is tough, man, because I look at this and I go, Bones Highland scares me in a playoff series. He scares me because he reminds me a lot of Michael Porter, Michael Porter's rookie season, where it's like, you're going to get into a playoff series. Teams are going to be like, here's our game plan. We're going to go at this guy. And it's going to really, because his bad moments are really, really bad. But Denver does need, unlike Bryn Forbes, and even to, Monte Morris can do this in the pick and roll, put pressure on the rim. But Bones Highland has that ability to get by his man without an advantage. Just, hey, I just dribbled past him. And I don't know that Monte has that ability. Like he needs the pick and roll, he needs sort of these plays. So I look at that and I go, Bryn Forbes is probably taking Bones Highland's minutes. That's your, if you get to your final form with Monte off the bench, now it comes down to who's the shooting guard, and you have to decide, yeah. is it Bones, is it Rivers, is it Bryn? And that's where I get a little bit worried because Bryn Forbes can shoot and is probably a more reliable shooter. But one, Bones is a more important part of the long-term operation. And two, he does some things that he can't. So I'm a little conflicted about what Denver is going I, I wonder if Bryn Forbes now, after watching last night, I wonder if it almost complicates things, not eases the pressure. It's also a possibility that they they will try him from, for 10 games and then they can just flip him again because he came alone in a trade. I don't think there is a 30-day uh, you know, mandatory wait for, for him to be traded again. I might be wrong on that. Mm. But, you know, he's a salary. He's a four and a half million. You also have Faku on a four million, something like that. You have Zeke on a rookie scale. So it's possible we can we will be... We'll be seeing another move. But what if Bryn works? I, I was looking a bit at his numbers last season in Milwaukee because this season he's right. playing for San Antonio. And right, right. He was playing for San Antonio. That's not going anywhere. Right. And uh, and last last season, Milwaukee was a good team. And, you know, Giannis is a big playmaker. It's not the same kind of playmaker like, like Jokic, but there are some similarities there. And he had some really, really great numbers. Uh, uh, if we look at the types of uh, possessions he had, he he was uh, of course really great as, as a spot up shooter. He had uh, something like 180 possessions, 93 percentile, really really great. He shot 45 percent on five attempts, but only on 18 minutes. So that's like nine attempts per 36, which is awesome. That's that's like. That's been done like three times in history. Right. It was JJ Redick, Steph Curry, and yeah, and also Steve Novak, my my crush from NBA 2K back in 2011. Steve Novak. He was a great so, shooter. He had a, such a balanced shot. Oh yeah. Like oh yeah. I love that guy. I love that guy. And then he also was really good at on handoffs. Admittedly, only on like two handoffs per game, but he was 88 percentile on handoffs. Now, mm. granted. That's also, you know, uh, kind of spot ups. You know, right, he takes right. the he, he yep. takes the ball in the handoff and shoot. But still, eighty eight percentile. That's great. Interestingly enough, 
on only 44 possessions, which is like once every two games, he was a pick-and-roll ball handler. Now, this is extremely small amount, and that yeah. could be really a blimp on the on the statistical uh, sky. But he was 96 percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler. I don't know. Everybody says he doesn't handle the ball at all. Right. I don't know. Maybe we can see him as a tertiary creator. Right. If you have a right. Monte to Jokic, pick and roll doesn't work. AJ to Jokic doesn't work. Try with Brin, see what happens. Who knows? If it, if it would work on a small sample, I can even see Brin being re-signed next season. I mean, if it works, if, if it's effective. Because he has that four and a half million salary that could be increased by 20% or something like that next season. Denver cannot afford anybody more than on a minimum deal. So that could be an interesting fa- uh, salary filler for the future. I, it's such an interesting thought. When you talk about tertiary ball handler, I had actually look at it this way. I don't think a Bryn Forbes Jokic pick and roll is going to create the advantage you want. But I do wonder if... You know, a Jamal Murray Jokic pick and roll obviously creates half steps and full step advantages. And then you swing it to him. Can he turn that into an immediate second pick and roll? And you're already starting with a half step or full step advantage. And now he capitalizes on it. And I think that's where it is. So it's less about the first pick and roll didn't work. Let's try one with Bryn Forbes. And more about the first pick and roll did work. The defense is scrambled, and now you just run that handoff, and the defense has to go under because they're so far behind, and now he hits that one. So I think that's, in theory, how it works. The question is just – here's actually the real question. I think the Denver Nuggets right now have a lot of utility players that have value and weak, and extreme weaknesses, including Bryn Forbes, who can't guard anyone and is really small. Yeah, Malone, this has been, in my opinion, maybe his worst trait when you talk about what is he you know, good or bad at – if you don't give him a clear, this is the rotation, these are the guys, this is what you do, but instead of fill it out, what does this game call for? I just feel like he's really bad at that. And so now it's, is this a Davon Reed game or not? Is this a Faku game or not? Is this a Bryn Forbes game or not? Is this a Bones Highland game or not? He now has to balance all of those, and I think he does a hard, a poor job on that when there's one decision there. But now yeah. you have to decide a combo between four or five guys that may or may not play on any given night. Oh, by the way, DeMarcus Cousins as well. And I just that that worries me. That that really worries me for Michael Malone. So that's my that would be my concern. But let's move on because I want to talk about that's the more immediate reaction to what just happened. But yeah. you sent me a list of things that you wanted to talk about today, and I want to get into those, including and this is Miroslav's words here. A marriage, a marriage-like chemistry between Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic. They are so good; they're like a married couple together. Miroslav, you've been very early on the Aaron Gordon is a great fit with Jokic after watching yeah. him play. Why? Why do you think that they have this marriage-like chemistry? Yeah, well, it's it's time for for kind of a dead joke to begin with. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so. <laughs> I feel like those two are a long tenured couple that rescues each other in uncomfortable situations. Like, for instance, if you and your wife are uh, hanging out with parents of kids, your kids going to school with, and some of you, uh, one of you start uh, some kind of uh, conversation that is not pleasant to other people because you know you don't know them or whatever. The other, the, the other one immediately jumps and changes the subject or move it to the comical situation, something like that. Right. This is what, what Nikola and, and, and Aaron Gordon do right now because there are some really 
really organic situations. I can see, like against the Clippers, there was this uh, fast break when there was Jokic to AG, AG to Jokic, Jokic to AG, AG back right, to Jokic, right. like four passes. You're right. You don't see that in the NBA. Yeah. I only saw that in like European national teams when the guys played together for 10 years and know exactly how each other breed. That's that's really that's really a great thing. Or or maybe yes, of course the game winner when Jokic chose Aaron Gordon as the finisher. He was not the best shooter on the team at that particular moment, but he trusted Aaron Gordon, not Barton, not Monte. He he chose Aaron Gordon as the as the best option. And he was right. He was right. It's it's really it's really organic between between those two. Sometimes Aaron Gordon would just cut at full speed, hundred percent speed to the to the paint, and Jokic will just find him on that cut, and that turns into explosion on the rim. Right. You you need such such trust between the guys to do that. I mean, they will never be as little as Jokic and Murray just because you know the the difference of the of the positions on right. the court. Of course, Jamal Murray is a great clutch player, yada yada. But you know, Aaron Gordon is a four or three four three slash four, and when they do a switch on a pick and roll, there is never as big of a advantage achieved like with a guard but i'm really really loving what i see from them and i hope it will grow even further so imagine if jamal returns to like 90% of the shape for the playoffs and they just do one pick and roll with jamal one pick and roll with with AG. it doesn't have to be a pick and roll it, it can be whatever with with ag because we've seen so many different actions between those two that could really, really mess up the, the the defenses on the other side, and I'm I'm really excited about that. I really am. I, the play you're talking about the give the give and go on the break. Yeah. It, it's a bummer that didn't get more shine. I mean, by me, I'm saying like that's a bummer for me that I did we didn't get yeah. it because that really was. You're right. That was a great play. That was a unique play. Like those are the type of plays where you're like, man, beautiful, like beautiful. Two very unselfish players. By the way, AG had a pass last night too that was a skip to the corner to AG and then he quickly right. threw it into Jeff Green. And you look at that and you go, man, what a great Jokic player. A guy that doesn't, that sees the next play and can make the pass like real quickly. So I'm with you. I, I really like Aaron Gordon way more than I expected to like him. I just love his game. I think Jokic, I'm really curious what Jokic says because he hasn't, he doesn't really ever shout him out. But you do see those moments like that where there's just such great chemistry. And I think, man, those guys are going to be so good. And in particular, they're going to be so good once you add a little bit more floor spacing in Jamal and Michael Porter. And I think AG is just really learning how to capitalize on playing with Jokic that when the spate court opens up, I, I think he's going to feast. I really do. Yeah, I don't remember Jokic speaking much about Jamal Murray as well before <laughs> the bubble and everything. He was kind of choosing, you know, the the Jamichael Greens of the world and right. and other guys to right. to fuck who I don't know. Some guys he likes to lift up. I, I guess he feels that Aaron Gordon is on a high enough level right now that he doesn't need to 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 do anything more outside of the court. They're they're really really clicking well and and you add jeff green to that as well jeff green is also a Jokic player and that's that's really you just give him veterans man i yeah. I, I don't know give him give him 
uh, <laughs> crazy athletic smart veterans like Jeff Green and uh, right. and it's just a George Carl influencing you, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He talks about, I mean, he is me he too. Because I look at this, and you know, especially three, four years ago, I always loved the upside, and you got to play these guys, and like, what can young players do? The more you watch Jokic really blossom like this, and the more you get into it, that you're like, Jokic just needs like seven Jeff Greens. Like Jeff Green's good. Jeff Green's not awesome. He's just good, and he knows what to do. And I'm like, if Jokic has had seven guys that know what to do, I don't care if they're good or bad. They just he's going to crush with them. And I do. The, the, George Carl has really like influenced my perspective. That's part of why I love talking, obviously, to the the legendary coach. Um, but Aaron Gordon, and I love your point about Jamal Murray because you're right. When Jamal, when Jokic said, "I truly believe Murray is a superstar in the bubble," I remember being blown away because I was like, yeah. "I've never heard him." rave about Jamal before like I know he liked him but I never heard him like really stick up for him and it came out of nowhere and was the biggest compliment you could give and I'm like okay so maybe he does feel the same way with Aaron Gordon he's just withholding yeah 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 maybe he's just waiting for the right time to do it like after after they after they win in seven games against Utah this season yeah it's also funny because i remember in the preseason and this shows you how much aaron gordon has grown as a Jokic player but i remember in the preseason a pick and roll where aaron gordon didn't roll and Jokic jumped and threw the pass to where he was supposed to be and it turned out to a turnover and i remember Jokic being so frustrated you could see him be like ah like he's so mad at aaron gordon so i wonder if it started from that place and now it's here and look yoke yoke is funny one thing i will say about Jokic, he is i think slow to compliment people you know what I mean? Like he's a tough, he's a bit of a tough love guy in that way. And that's what makes it perhaps so much more meaningful when he actually does call a guy out like a Jamichael Green or like a Murray. You're like, man, he must really love that dude that he said any, literally anything positive about him. He speaks to media every day and it's really bothering him. So that's just some extra effort he needs to put in to compliment somebody. So they really, really need to to earn it. Yeah. So he will just say it. Okay, from the bottom of my, of my heart, I want to play with this guy forever for yeah. any reason. <laughs> Where do you think Aaron Gordon ranks on chemistry scale? Let's do the chemistry scale with Jokic real quick. Number one, mm-hmm. I think Jamal Murray. That's yeah, Jamal, 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 no question. And I would put him on number two for sure. Wow. Number two, Aaron Gordon. Then uh, I will put. Uh, I will put uh, Monte, and yeah, after Monte, Monte this year in particular, it's just really yeah. Cool. Those guys have a great. That's yeah. the thing about moving Monte to the bench is like Monte and Yoke really have a thing going right now. It's 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 really interesting. I was I was even thinking about you know uh, starting with Jamal when he returns off the bench. Of course, you would be closing with with Jamal, but imagine if Jamal gets in the game on the six minute mark and just destroy worlds completely yeah. fresh i mean this this is something the clippers used to do a lot before you know with with tres harrell and with uh, with lou williams as yeah. their de facto second and third best player playing off the bench so uh it's it's really interesting i don't know i mean monte is a great floor general for the for the bench but he really needs some bigger guys on the bench. And I have to be honest, the, the end game, last three, four minutes against Memphis, I, I should compliment Malone on those last three to four minutes because he actually didn't go small at the end like he usually does. He actually started closing with the starters, including Jeff Green, and then he changed Jeff Green with uh, 
with Zeke Naji. And he I like that. Out. He fouled out, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't put in a, a third guard. Good he point. tried to, to, to continue with a big one. So, right. Yeah. It's, it, we'll see some changes from Malone for sure. We'll yeah. do it. We, we'll see it. Memphis has so many good shooters that sometimes, sometimes I like to analyze this game because I love basketball and I like all the little pieces. And part of me just goes, maybe it is just shooting. <laughs> maybe the NBA has become so simplified that if you just have five shooters on the court, like it doesn't matter. Your margin for error is so wide that it doesn't matter. And, you know, Memphis went cold in the second half. So maybe there, maybe there's just this limit on, even if you have all good shooters, guys do just go cold. But when you watch that first half and jaw, like Jokic, this unstoppable player, and then the defense is so compromised that helping off of any of the other four players creates a wide-open three. Maybe basketball is that simple. I mean, in today's NBA, I really sometimes I sit here and I think that like when I watch Jeff Green make great screens and cuts, and I'm like, that's awesome. And it's like, yeah, but Michael Porter makes threes. That's way better. Yeah, I, I miss that that time, man. They they look exactly like like 18, 19, or was it? 17 18 what was the season they didn't qualify for the for the playoffs 17 18, 17, 18. 18. Yeah, that was that was a great season i have to be completely honest i watched all the games but i didn't care as much as like or like i do today i wasn't really? emotionally i wasn't emotionally invested in the team in 17 18 like i i am now when they would lose the game i would look at the box score and yeah jokic had 22 12 and 8 and okay it's okay they're building up it's it's not their time yet but you know they had that crazy stretch at the end of the season when i really felt okay this might be their time this they 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 might get to the playoffs and and try to make some noise in the playoffs of course in the first round not more than that and i missed that time man because that was so carefree that was beautiful every win was so delightful and every yeah. loss was ah okay we'll get them next time come on right. we're right. young and 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 powerful then if you remember that team they we had like seven guys in double digits back then Jokic was only scoring 20 points per game right right Jamal was scoring 18 and you had like five guys between 10 and 13 right and and you you don't have the the same similar thing uh, with Memphis right now because you have four guys that score like 17 points per game or more but that's because Dylan Brooks missed a lot of games and right. now he's he's catching up with with the points per game but that team man so many competent players right. and Nuggets used to have that all they of them will was again though that's the thing is they yeah. Eventually, you're going to get to where you talk about guys that can really make an impact on any given game. It's going to be Jokic, Murray, MPJ, Gordon, right. Jeff Green, Barton, Monte. Like they're eventually at a point where, on any given night, you expect three or four of those guys to play well. Maybe not all of them, but the volume of players, you're like three or four of those guys are going to play well. And then all these other guys, your Fakus, your Rivers, your Bones, even if zero of those guys play well, you're like, it doesn't matter because we had, there's still all these other guys to do so. So I, I, I am very hopeful about the Nuggets, what their final format. And I was thinking about this last night with Faku's struggles. Jamal Murray really just needs to be better at 80% or whatever he comes back at than what Faku is right now, which is actually a pretty low bar if you think about it. Just yeah. Denver's unit they have so far has been very good. They're starting unit bench so bad. Can Murray just replace Faku and be 50% better you know, than him? And I think it's very likely. And if you do that, 
games like last night, those are wins. Those aren't losses. So that's right. And Memphis is a good team. We got to keep it moving though, because I want to hit some of these topics that you sent me here. What will the Nuggets record be at the All Star break? Um, so without re- before prior to re- reinforcements, what are you yeah, thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now they are. Let me see. Twenty three and twenty one. They have okay. fourteen more games before the All Star break, and. To tell you the truth, I did this analysis before the Memphis game, so I was a bit on the ups, upswing, right? Did you right have a win at Memphis? Mem- a win against Memphis? Yeah, I did. Oh. I, I did have it. I was I was certain they will get it. Oh no! And I was <laughs> I was bummed about it. I mean, Memphis is is really really good, really good. But come on, man, we destroyed Lakers before that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we didn't Clippers. destroy the Clippers like we should have, right. but you know. There were some some uh, some silver linings f- from those games, and then you had the Utah game that was you know back on t- back to back, right. and nobody could hit any anything, and that was that was the Jokic game when when he said everybody knows they yes. can shoot right correct he was correct he, he, they shot like four of thirty three from the three point <laughs> line I mean <laughs> what's up with that <laughs> he was he was correct that is right <laughs> every shot was 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 short. They just didn't have their legs behind uh, under them. So when I was analyzing this, I thought they will go nine and five in these fourteen games, and it's not an easy schedule because I think they will lose a game against the Nets on the back-to-back. They will lose against the Bucks in Milwaukee. They will lose against the Jazz, of course, on the back-to-back. <laughs> so then, lame. So lame. Then, Listen, so listen, annoying. man. Then again against the Nets on the back-to-back. Oh, God. So both games against the Nets on the back-to-back. And then against the Raptors on the back-to-back as well. So they have four back-to-back series in next 14, 14 games. Bro- Brooklyn is not a back-to-back the second time. Is not? No. There's mm. there's a day off. They played New Orleans on the fourth. They played Brooklyn okay. on the sixth. I might not make that mistake. Okay. Still a lose. Yeah. Still a loss. I don't know. I don't. I, game, yeah. yeah, it will be a tough one. But I do predict two good wins okay. in this series, and that's the one against the Bucks at home. Okay. And then against the Warriors on the road just before the All Star break. Oh, okay. I'm low on the Warriors. They're really bad right now. <laughs> I'm really. You know what? What's their record without without? Uh, Oh man, and yeah, it's four and seven or something like four that. Four and seven, yeah. and you know what's their record when Steph uh, hits three or less threes? What is it? Six and six. Yeah, but you know something, he does. That's only twelve games all year. He has <laughs> like most of the yeah, time. Yeah, he does hit more than three. So <laughs> I agree. I agree, but but he has he had some really horrid horrid shooting nights. Along with those great ones. I'm so curious to see what games they rest Yoke. I would suspect, and I think they need to. I mean, look, they lost all their players last year. I'm not trying to, like, jinx this or curse or or, or scare anyone, but they lost all of their guys last year at the part of the schedule that was unfair, where all of these games were happening in a short span, and they tried to plow through. And you lose, start losing Barton, you lose Monte, you lose Murray, you lose – and to me, I look at that and I go – the Nuggets have that road trip. Well, by the way, road means you're not sleeping as much because you have these weird travel hours and all this yeah. or that. They have all of those games and back-to-back. So I think you got DeMarcus Cousins at Brooklyn on a back-to-back. Don't play Jokic that game. Just don't. You're probably not going to win anyway. 
And there's just no point. Give him three days off between the 25th and the 28th. Let him sit that one out. You play Utah. This one's tough because it's a divisional team. You play Utah on the second night of a back-to-back. Don't play him. Just don't play him. Like, you have to punt those games. Your odds of winning are low anyway. I know you don't want to come into this where you're punting, you know, where you get used to saying we're not trying. But I'm telling you, we're so close to Murray coming back. Don't lose another player that handicaps you right before yeah. that. And to me, I, I just I'm praying that the Nuggets are have learned a lesson in the past years. Would you be fine if they're 500 before the All Star break? <laughs> well, it's tough because I think they have a, the six game road trip. By the end of that road trip. Uh, and actually, so when you say before the All-Star break, the All-Star break happens February 16th is their last game. Yeah. They come back from that and have another two out of three on the road. To me, it's after that period that you look at and say, okay, then they're going to have like five more home games than road games to close out the year. So if they're 500, really sneaky, they're a little bit better. Would I be happy? No. But is it reasonable? I think, sadly, it probably is reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so mediocre. <laughs> uh, Kafana Jokic. I don't know what this means. Kafana Jokic. Yeah, Kafana is is uh, is a bar slash restaurant. You know. Okay. But it, it's the one. I, I don't know if you remember Jokic's picture, like like from last year when he just came to 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 Sombor and you you see a bottle of yellow beer in front of him and a lot of cigarettes all around and uh, uh, the tablecloth that is like in squares red and white square something like that so it's it's a very uh, a foggy place okay you know usually have live music but it's just a corner where where we should we should speak about Jokic. Oh, oh I, I got you. Okay, so that's what it is. So Jokic has four triple-doubles in a row. Three of those were 30-point yeah. triple-doubles. This last one, it was a bummer because I bet on the 30-point triple-double. I came up short. He yeah. only had 26. A little too passive in the first quarter. But yeah. uh, the triple he's just in a, a triple-double streak right now. And really, he's had some real peaks. The first, like, 10 days of the season, Jokic was playing some of the best ball I've ever seen. But over this last four or five games – is right back up there to that same yeah. level. And I think it coincides. Honestly, the season coincides with when Denver's first unit is healthy with Jeff Green and, and Aaron Gordon and Will Barton and Monte, Jokic's numbers have been through the roof. So I, my personal opinion is this Jokic we're seeing, he's here as long as that lineup is together. And then when Murray comes back, might even go up a whole other level. Yeah, well, some of his numbers might drop, but they might be better because of it because you know right. he doesn't have to play all of those four quarters and and such stuff but this week he was 29 13 and 12 on 62 50 87 shooting splits <laughs> that's insanity i know it's a four four game stretch it's not a big it's not a big sample you know that... be player of the week though <laughs> right yeah i mean they, i don't they... know what lebron did this week i'll have to check but you know <laughs> They were two and two, so yeah. It always is tough. I, I, I don't think he'll get a single, a single player of the week this season for some for some reason. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean there is a reason because they're never four and four and zero right, in, right. in a in a week or three or you know right. that would be true enough. So yeah, that's 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 bad, but. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're two, two and two because they played Utah on the back-to-back. I'm not saying they would for sure win against them if the circumstances were normal. But you could have seen just they, they just couldn't hold up. You right. know, if, if they shot like like 
35% for the three on that on that match. That's that's an even even matchup. So yeah, it's it, it was a bummer. But I'm glad this week we saw Jokic meeting Baba. <laughs> yeah. That 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 was a real highlight for me. Thanks to thanks to Molly Hunt, aka well, Moles Balls 84. Well, it's funny you say this because you know, Molly, when she did it, her thing was, how do we show Jokic that we love him and how much he means to us? And I honestly feel like mission accomplished. Because when you saw the video of Katie Wingy showing him this, yep. I genuinely think that was his response. Is like, wow, these people get me. <laughs> and they, uh, they, they, the message was received. I am appreciated by this fan base. Yeah. I, at, at the first moment when I saw that Molly's original tweet, I was like, what? what? What's this? I never heard of something like this. That's, that's, that sounds insane. Yeah. Why, why would somebody do that? But then when I saw how the idea moves along and that there is a therapy horse involved, a one year sponsorship in, 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 uh, uh, in honor of of the greatest player in, in the basketball, I was blown away, and of course yeah. his his uh, reaction was very logical. And I'm sure he will move, meet Baba eventually, yeah. but just he won't have any cameras around him for us to see that. But you know what's interesting? Baba in Serbian means grandmother, and I don't know about you, but my grandmother was a great great person. She was always comforting me, so. So I'm pretty sure Baba will do a similar job in Denver area. I'm I'm really I'm really glad this this thing happened. Uh, I am as well. Great job by Molly. And you know what's funny when we were just talking about you know Jokic's triple doubles four in a row right now. He didn't have triple doubles to start the season, if you recall. And I yeah, think right. part of this was because Michael Porter was basically turned into Faku for, for, for 10 games because he was injured, like he couldn't score. So if yeah. you cut out that stretch and you cut out the stretch where Will Barton was hurt or Monte Morris, like there was another stretch where the starting unit was really bad. I mean, we had our old last year starting unit. So if you just count the, the minutes when I would say Jokic had a competent supporting cast in the starting lineup, he actually is getting a lot of triple-doubles. So that's why I wonder if triple-double Jokic is actually back not every game like it has been for four in a row, but again, just playing with guys that you have that you have to be honest with. You know, the defense has to be honest with. Maybe we're back up there to the ten assists because the assists are the thing he hasn't been getting. But maybe that's maybe those are, are back. I don't know. Interesting, interesting thing about it. If you look at the tally of his triple doubles per seasons, the only season he didn't have any triple doubles was his rookie season because he was playing right. on limited minutes. But then he had like six in his second year, then 10, then 12, 13, 16. And this team, this season, I really feel he can hit that 20, 20 mark because he's already at 11. He played in 39 games. He yeah. still has like 38 games left. Right. I really feel he can do it. I, I wonder what, what you think. Will it be harder for him? To hit the triple doubles when everybody turns, no. or will it be easier? Easier, so much easier. I really believe it because you have to guard. Like, even when you just talk about Jamal Murray being back, who knows how many minutes? It's just one more shooter that people are going to be like, I can't help off of this guy. It's my job. I can't help off. So I think significantly easier. My only question with Yoke in that regard is, will he stay as aggressive as we have seen as a scorer? Because I honestly believe 
he does things different. He always sets the table first, takes over later. I really wonder when Murray comes back, if he can make life easy on Murray by taking over first so that the defense is double, 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 everybody, sending everybody. And then you go like, all right, Murray, you're going to get a lot of open shots right now because they're not leaving me open. And I think that would be the rest. To me, that would be the recipe for success. But we got to close up here, Miroslav, because I, I got to run or I'm going to get divorced. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I wanna, I, last week we missed out on this, and I want to bring it up. There is a, Serb- a Serbian basketball legend I want to learn about here uh, from Sambor, and it's not Nikola Jokic. Yes. So in today's fact of the week, Serbian fact of the week, I'll tell you a story about the first basketball superstar born in Sombor, Serbia in 1938. His name was Radivoj Korac. His nickname was Rucko, which means ginger. And on the color photo, you will see why. Yeah, so... Maybe you, you can see why yeah, he was called that out, that Ginger. Is. My goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very tight. He, he, he played like in the 60s. Si- the Giant or something like a wrestler. <laughs> you know, like a wrestler. He played in the 60s. Come on. That, that yeah. was very normal 60 years ago. So he played for 15 seasons. First 13 of them for OKK Belgrade, which is, interestingly enough, former Voyas club where he averaged insane 30.7 points per game in a 40 minutes game. I'm talking about Radivoj, not Voya. I don't know about Voya's, <laughs> Voya's averages. Okay, so in 1964-1965 season, his OKK Belgrade was a champion of Yugoslavia, and he played two EuroLeague matches against Swedish champion Alvix. He scored 71 points in the first match <laughs> and then 99 points in a rematch. <laughs> this record still stands in the EuroLeague history. 99 like, is a bummer, though, man. I 99 in a 40 minutes game. It's just 49-point triple-double. It's just a little disappointing. Yeah, so no threes in 40 minutes game. Come on, yeah. man. 99, 99 points. Come on. <laughs> Interestingly enough, his EuroLeague average for his career was 43.6 points per game. He won six medals for Yugoslavia in the Olympics, World Cup, and Eurobasket. All of them, most of them were silver medals. That was the time before Yugoslavia really started collecting yeah. gold medals on the big on the big scene. That started in, in the 70s. Unfortunately, he died in a car accident near Sarajevo on June 2nd, 1969. He was only 30 years old. Man, a lot like Drazen Petrovic. Very, very similar, very similar yeah. story like Drazen. And uh, since then, there were no basketball games in Yugoslavia on June 2nd in honor of his. Oh, wow. This, this is actually the place where he died on the road oh, wow. near Sarajevo. He was so actually, I, I believe, he was, he was traveling to, to meet his teammates for a national team game in Sarajevo, and he just wow. never, never arrived to the spot. So the Serbian Basketball Cup, which is the equivalent of the in-season tournament that is going to happen in the NBA too, is called Rucicko's left hand, because Rucicko was a left-handed sniper, and you can see the trophy wow. in this photo. So yeah, before that's a that, cool name for a that's like the Larry O'Brien, but it would be like the Larry O'Brien left hand. <laughs> I like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, before that, the the second best European champ uh, tournament after Euroleague was also called uh, uh, 
cup of Radivoj Korać, but then they changed it after after like 30 years or something like that. So that was basically the story of, of Sombor's own Radivoj Korać Ručko. I love it. That's a great story. So it's interesting. Sombor, a little factory of uh, superstars. Before we get out of here, I'm going to ask you one question, and I, it's not on the docket here, but we're going to talk about this tomorrow, either on the pregame or postgame or maybe both. But I don't know if you heard the Keeping It 1000 podcast with George Carl this week. He slipped it by me the first time, and I didn't respond, so he felt like he had to say it a second time. Like I did, When you're hosting, you know how it is. Sometimes if somebody will say something at the very end, but you're just folky reading notes or doing something. I missed it. He says he expects – like he predicts, not that it's possible. He said that he predicts when it's all said and done, Nikola Jokic will be a top 10 player in NBA history. Not a top 10 player currently or of this era. In NBA history, when you start to think about what that means, he's passing up a Kobe, a Curry, a KD, uh, a Shaquille O'Neal. He's passing the names that he, that George Carl, one of the, the sixth winningest coach in NBA history, predicts it's pretty what, what are you what's your reaction to that <laughs> george is turning serbian man there, <laughs> there's there's nothing else to, to say about that i mean do you think i'm higher or or lower on Jokic than george i mean come on this are you higher than so are you higher in that i mean look <laughs> the advanced stats suggest that it's within the that george is just saying yeah. what the advanced stats clarify but let's be honest man to be a top 10 player of all time, you don't just have to be great. You have to do great things on the biggest stages. And, you know, we've seen Yoke be very, very good in the playoffs, but that that that's predicting some pretty lofty things for Jokic ahead, not behind. You, you have many Serbs in your DMs and in your mentions, so you, so you maybe already know this, but a very annoying thing about the Serbs is that we call ourselves jokingly, but also not really jokingly, the heavenly people. It's a part of the Inat origin. In spite of all the adversity, we will prevail at the very end because we are the people that came from the skies. Yeah, That course. is the reason why I will never be satisfied with Jokic being the best player in basketball for only one or two seasons. Come on, man. I want him to become the GOAT. Is that reasonable? <clears throat> of course not. But who cares? <laughs> who wants reason? Yeah. <laughs> who wants reasonable? I already spoke before about Djokovic becoming the best tennis player of all time. That I, I think that was fueled by everybody in Serbia wanted him for that to become. I said I don't think Nikola has that kind of size of Inat in him in himself. But man, that that second half against the Clippers. That like 36 points in second half with five assists and 10 rebounds. But what what was it? Th that's unstoppable. So yeah, I know it's it's completely crazy. He would have to play for another 13 season to be eligible to 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 speak about uh, top 10 player all time. But I can see it statistically at least. He is top three for me. Three things have to happen for him to reach that level because right now he's unguardable, but to, there's another level of unguardable he can get to, and there's three things to me that he can do. One is he has to get meaner. I mean, that Clippers game, he became mean. I mean, he was screaming. Yeah. He was intense. He wanted he wanted to make a point, and he does that at times, but I want him to be – this is what Michael Jordan was. Every night – practice, he wanted to do this, right? He wanted to beat down his own teammates in cards. Like, Jokic just doesn't always have that switch. It flips at times, and we see it, but I, it needs that more – the three-point shot, 
I think that Jokic right now is a good three-point shooter, but it's his counter. If the three-point shot at some nights can actually become his go-to, the way it was for Dirk Nowitzki, where Dirk Nowitzki wasn't using his three-pointer or his jumper to set up other things, that was his go-to. You had to play up on him. If Jokic gets to that, we're seeing his off-the-dribble moves get better and quicker and everything else. But right now, if I'm guarding him, I'm daring him to shoot and closing out on him. If you can get to the point where that's no longer an option, then you know where he's a Dirk Nowitzki-type quick shooter – to me, that then it's a game over. And the third thing is, I think he has to become a better leader. I don't know that you can be a top 10 player unless you have some type of leadership to you that Jokic is still, in my opinion, developing and a little bit behind. And by the way, when I say developing, I'm not sure he actually wants it the way he needs to want it. Um, but that's that's the thing. If he becomes that as well, uh, those three things, then are you kidding me? <laughs> I think the Nuggets win several championships if he can unlock yeah. all three of those things. Yeah, those things go, go go together hand in hand. Yeah. I agree. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, Miroslav. This was fun, man. I might have to kick Voya off the show. He's <laughs> <laughs> Wally Pipped. He's out of here. No, <laughs> Voya will be back next week, guys. Uh, I hope you guys are tuning in and subscribing. This one will go up on the podcast, probably not for a couple hours, because I got to, like I said, uh, I got to go on a date. But uh, after that, I'll have the show up, and we're doing this every single weekend with Miroslav and Voya. Thank you guys so much. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com